If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Say Things, episode 116. Suns fan here with Cinder N. How Dad. are you? And yes. You're looking fresh today. Am I actually? Yes. You're, oh, you're not just being nice. Oh, really? I am being nice. What do you mean I'm not being okay. This is as nice as I get. <laughs> you look great. Oh, really? Thank you. You look, you look awake. You, you look, look great, fresh. Too, you, look you look clean. like you won a lot of uh, Atomic War. You look happy. I'm almost legend. I've o- almost done it. And I can What are you going to do retire. after that? Uh, probably start playing Dota because there might be a patch coming soon. <laughs> so it's going to come oh. just in time. Very happy about that. Uh, yeah, let's let's go over our beautiful in Bruges tier for the patrons, patrons uh, from Patreon. That's where they get that word. In case you were wondering, thank you so very much to Vincent Darksea, Steelheart, your friend Andrew. Actually, it says your friend Andrew, Semper Pi, Hakuna Matata, the guy in the chair, Esk. Is that supposed to be Esquire? Esquire. Okay, yes. why not just say Esquire then? You know, we'll never know. Lucas Frankel, Commander Donut. I'm playing position five in real life. Bread Sheeran, Bonsai Wise Guy Chicken Pot Pie. Chakar, playing against Wyvern on lane is so shitty, his second spell should be called Sphincter Blast. The Megapope. It's time to rhyme the lime of crime and time to water elephants, T.I. in New Zealand. Zan Xavier. He's good that time. Nate Thicko Zero One Hamscroats and Bacon. Thank you, friends. And also hiding behind my neighbor's front door and jiggle peeking using my deagle-like cock while shouting flashing sight. Interesting. Shark TM, pro Counter-Strike 1.6 player, Novi Panda, Dop, Sonic. Wait, it still is Susnik. I think he spelled it like two or three different times by now. Chosnik in Japanese is Niniku, and I am half Japanese. Nothing to see here. Underscore man. Ben Broom had started following the NBA because of Suns fan, but started going for the Lakers before finding out Suns fan hated them, lol. Pitch Black, Wooden Aftertaste, Duntalk, Anonymous, OG fan of the Sun Pharaoh and his battles with Moses the Sinner Man. Peter, Dolphins only close one eye when they sleep, Niebling, and Perkaderg wishes Suns fan a happy early birthday. Love ya, buddy. Wait, when's your birthday? Ugh. Uh, 14th. It's the same oh. day as Magic Johnson's. It's the same day as Pakistani Independence Day. Nikki's uh, was a couple days ago on the 9th. So it's August birthdays here. Yeah. Becoming old and nice. decrepit every minute of our well, lives. Happy birthday in two days. Thanks, Cinderin. If you don't say happy Is birthday on luck? the actual day, uh, we're no longer friends. Okay. Okay. You When's can the last time you told me happy birthday on my birthday? I don't think you've ever done that. No, I do because Nikki uh Nikki reminds me every year. Oh, okay. Well then it's not you, then it's Nikki, right? <laughs> that counts. 
Okay, it's okay. on her calendar. I don't want to enable that bullshit. Okay, so let's get started. Uh, the Battle Pass bundle was released, Cinderin. So you can... Mm -hmm. It's available... Un, wait, it says available until August 9th. That was three days ago, so it's no longer available, I guess. I didn't realize it was that fast. Um, but yeah, that was great and all. But the big news in that little blog post was, in other news, gameplay patch 7.30 will be arriving after the battle pass ends. We're working on it, and it's highlighted, okay? To me, this it feels like aggression from Valve. That's Valve saying... Fuck you, idiots! Obviously, we're working on it. They have they ever highlighted a word? Or what do you a mean sentence? it's highlighted? It's not highlighted for you. For me, it's hidden, and you need to mouse over it to read it. The background—it's it, with like a—it's oh. like in a spoiler tag. It's like I black, know what happened. And then when you mouse over it, the text is white. Right, let me dis. Okay, my mistake. I take it back. I have dark mode on for my browser, so it just shows everything. It looked highlighted to me. I was like, wow. Ah, got it. Okay, I, I take it back. Valve loves everybody, okay? Yes. So Although battle... I like the other version more, so let's just start <laughs> drama. Yeah, true. They use dark mode. They didn't realize, obviously. So <laughs> the battle pass ends on the 17th, Cindern, which as of this recording is in five days. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have a little pre-7.30 discussion about what we think might happen. Uh, first, before we go on to that, I do want to talk a bit about, there's a thread on this, about how much money was made from this last Battle Pass. Um, apparently, over 1 million people purchased it, and over 230,000 people reached the Spectre Archon. That is crazy, by the way. A quarter of the people that bought the Battle Pass have Spectre. I'm not one of them. Mm -hmm. That's kind of, that's a pretty high percentage, I feel like. Am I wrong? Am I missing no, something? you're not. I think, um, so after you, if you, let's say you buy a level 100 battle pass, which I don't know how big a percentage of people do, then mm -hmm. the step up to Spectre is quite a bit more, actually. You need to buy levels a couple of times, especially, even if you use the bundle thing, right, that they released. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I agree. It's honestly surprising to me as well that such a big part of the community uh, gets this high level. But I think it's not surprising to Valve. And that's the interesting thing here is that obviously they've been tracking this data with every battle pass they have, as they should, right? They're doing it to make money. They're doing it to make it better. So more people want to invest into it and feel like it's rewarding. Um, so I don't, I guess they're not surprised by this. Um, and interestingly enough, I want to say, so the things that are highlighted in the battle pass in this uh, tracker thing is the Dragon Knight set, which is a, or the Dragon Knight Persona, level 195, the Invoker Persona, level 275, and then the Dragon Knight Emote at level 500. So the drop-off after the Spectre Arcana is insanely high, which right. means that the majority of... Um, yeah, I, we can... Like, the majority of people that go over halfway go for the Spectre and just stop, right? Um, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm close to level 330. I'm just waiting to see how many final levels I need to buy, depending on what I get in the last week. Because mm -hmm. um, I would like the Spectre Arcana. But yeah, the emote just isn't that interesting to most people. So that's interesting to see, right? The drop-off there nudity. is pretty massive. You get nudity in-game. It game. is, right. Just for reference, 400k got the Dragon Knight, 300k got the Invoker, 
233k got the Spectre, and then the Dragonite is 50. Yeah. So the drop-off there is like way, way, way bigger than any of the other ones. Yep, so, not, not a huge surprise. Obviously, the Spectre was the big... I say Spectre and Dragonite. Like, the Invoker one's a little deceiving because I there's not that many people that leveled it just to get that one, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, this kind of goes to show that Reddit is not the majority. I think we already knew this. And Valve is looking at it, and obviously, like, the image to some degree matters to them when they read that, like, Reddit's shitting on them about a battle pass, but numbers don't lie. People are still buying nope. it. People are still leveling. Um, so my question to you, because they said there's going to be two battle passes this year, right? Mm-hmm. So do you think that the battle pass, will a new one will begin with this new patch, or will it be after TI? Because it doesn't make sense to be... Like in a few weeks from now, it should if it was going to be before right. TI, it would start right away. Or do you think it's just nothing until TI? Mm. Um. So what do we think? So this battle pass was just you know a seasonal thing. The thing if they do it after TI, they could somehow connect it with the major season, because uh, mm. assuming that the next major is either late this year or very early next year. Uh, TI is in October. Mm, yeah, they haven't announced when the majors are, right? No, I think. So, uh, my personal guess is the first major is in January. So, I think you could incorporate that in the battle pass if you release it after TI. Um, if they release it before TI, then again, it's just a season thing and it's not related to the pro scene at all. I, mm-hmm. I think those are the two options, right? Um, Do you have a preference? Well, just, I guess we already know what your preference is. I'll, thinking also thinking about customers right and what people do are people more likely what's your guess i think this i'm curious what you think do you think people would spend more money on a battle pass around christmas or less more as a gift both for themselves and a gift right because the other thing is a lot of people spend a decent chunk of their income on other gifts at christmas so they would have less money for a battle pass Mm mm-hmm so, so the battle pass, I'm this one was eight weeks. Am I correct? Two months? Uh, something like that. So eight weeks only takes us into October. So it, it's, I don't think the pro scene thing is something that they're even thinking about, honestly. I think it's right. more about, obviously, the Christmas time is a huge deal. But I think from like just a regular fan perspective, it would be quite weird to not have any kind of battle pass around ti even if it's not related to ti because the battle pass stuff brings people in and then ti existing brings people in and it feels like that's kind of like this combined effort that happens every single year so if they do i don't know what they'll do it makes sense both ways because if you do it like during and after ti before after ti it kind of coincides with that that's great but then you lose that on christmas which is weird because that is like a big selling point so we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. But I, I I think well, what if they released it early October? Then it starts right before TI and could run through Christmas. Right. They could do that. Then the question is, why would this battle pass end? Why did it end so early? Why yeah. couldn't it have been twelve weeks? Exactly. The fact that it's eight weeks only, to me, if I'm having to lean one way or the other, it means there's another battle pass coming. Like right after. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, just add another month to it then. 
Uh, right. Yeah, then they could just extend it. So for this second battle pass, whenever it is, what would you like to see changed from the current one? Like, is there anything that really bothers you? Uh, less empty levels. I think that's the biggest thing and the like, thing that most people care about. What if it's just like, like, what are they going to, let's say they just don't have time to fill in all the levels with like what you would normally expect to see from like a TI level battle pass. Would you be okay with just like emotes, just a bunch of random emotes, stuff like I that? I don't know. Just I filler. think they could, I honestly think one of the nicest things we had in the battle pass, and this is going to sound really stupid. I liked having the shovels. I thought that was mm. fun. Like just. Digging in the game, trying to find levels, treasures, whatever it is. It's true. Um, you can spread those out. Even the CM like, stuff, right? The wheels. Yeah, the yeah, the Rylai wheel. Even though it's mostly useless, it's something. Yeah. It's just like filling out the empty space, so it doesn't look like you're getting nothing. Even if you're mathematically almost getting nothing, then there's a chance, and there's something that you interact with in the game, and it feels like leveling up is more meaningful than right now. I think that's the biggest thing. Mm. Um, outside of that, I mean, obviously they. Are doing this for up, like for maximizing the battle pass, I'm assuming. But I think the spacing of treasures is a little bit too narrow in the start and too dense in the end. So I think I would like that to be a little bit normalized so more people can get more treasures. And then obviously there still should be incentive to get high levels for those that want. So yeah, I'm still completely fine with having something unique like that Dragonite emote or whatever at a very high level. But I think it would be cool if more consumers or users, whatever you want to call it, players can get. Um, more treasures in the mid-range. So in this battle pass from level 100 to 200, for example, there's very little treasures, actually. What is there? Right. One... There is literally two Nemesis treasures from level 100 to 200. There's one at 108 and 150. That's a long stretch. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I, I agree with everything. Uh, I guess I can mix in some predictions as well. Uh, well, first of all, I, I know they're not going to do this. I think I really think Cavern Crawl ruins pubs. I don't know what you can do about that. Mm. I just don't want to see Cavern Crawl again. Right. Uh, but I am predicting that Faceless Void will be an Arcana because he got second place, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, right? And again, right? I'm expecting him to be purchasable without the battle pass because I think that one was very... It felt like everybody united against the idea of not being able to do that. Mm -hmm. So I think that will change. I'd be a little bit surprised if it didn't. Um, let's well, see what else. A lot I agree of people that the, got the battle pass high enough for the spectrum, just saying. That's true. And it, it all comes down to how much content can they make. Like if, they, if they're just strapped for... Like they do this once a year typically, they're doing it like three times in this next year, theoretically, right? Or right. at least that amount. So... Yeah, there was. Did we mention that the leak, or I don't know if it's a leak, but it was something in the game files that somebody data mined that there were three majors in the game files for next year. There's three what? I think I think I read that somebody data mined uh, that there were three majors for next season. Hmm. This year we only had two, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't even remember anymore. I feel like the years are just melting together during COVID. But I think uh, I think it was three. There was no extra info found, like prize pools, location, or whatever, from to my knowledge. But just that it was literally just strings in the code, talking about major one, two, three for next year. Um, so that's obviously interesting. If that's like a, 
whether it's a mistake or a teaser they put in deliberately. Sometimes I wonder if programmers, like how often they do that, like put something in the red herring in there that is meant to be found. Right? Wait, sorry. I, I'm having a brain fart right now. You said three majors, right? Right. I think that was the plan, actually. Wasn't it before TI was postponed? It was supposed to be three majors. Isn't that what they didn't they say that? Like the DPC for, season for the was going to be year, segmented I mean. to three. No, for the following year. Or maybe I'm getting the years confused in general. I thought I, the I'm whole, not sure anymore. I thought the anyway. plan was three majors, but now that TI right. was postponed, it, it I don't know if they're the doing that. Yeah. Okay. Either way. Well, I think I think that's happening. Yeah. Aside from that, the battle pass, uh I mean again, it, it's gonna from Val's perspective, it's gonna be a a balance between listening to people on Reddit, because I know they do care about that, but mm-hmm. they have to balance it with the money, obviously. But I agree with everything you said and like what's another persona? They came out with the Invoker cosmetics for the persona. What's another persona that was released? There's Davian, which was in this last battle pass, so that's not happening. Yeah. Is is the axe uh naked one? Is that a persona? I don't think so. Right? That's like just uh, an item. Pudge has a persona. I think it was considered a persona. Was it? Yeah, but it doesn't have a persona slot. It's maybe just it two armor pieces, right? Or rather, removal yeah, I think of that two one was pieces. Different. So maybe they can come out with a Pudge cosmetic. I don't know. I don't. We'll see if they stick with the trend of trying to do cosmetics for personas. Because mm-hmm. at some point, it it did feel a little weird. We talked about this before because a lot of people don't even have that little kid invoker anyway. So I think right. that was an experiment, and whether that was successful or not, we'll literally know in the next battle pass, likely. So, so do you have a prediction on when this is going to be? Do you think it's going to be right away, or it's well, going to be a delay? I guess my guess is early October. Okay, I'm going to say it's going to be right away because. So instantly, when this one ends, there's a new one. No, only because downtime. I don't see the point of having this last one only last eight weeks. Then that that's the only thought process I have. And then maybe it maybe um, it lasts longer than two months this time. Maybe it's. Three don't you months. think there's something to be said about uh, having a cooldown on spending money in a game? Like, yeah, if you're just done with a battle pass and then the next one comes, that there's a lot of like fatigue where people are like, okay, I just spent a lot on another battle pass. I'm gonna chill instead of like waiting two months yeah, for people to have a, a little point. bit more money to spend and then. Uh, okay, you've convinced me, Cinderin. Good job. Didn't take much, but uh, one yeah, that, argument. That, that's a and really you're good like, point. yep, I'm changing my entire prediction. But yeah. Okay, I so then I guess matters. it would just coincide with Christmas. That's the biggest deal then. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Cool. All right. So next thing on the list, uh, this topic. We were struggling for topics because nothing's happened this week. But uh, thank you to they call me Strider for this topic. He wanted to know our the favorite changes that we've had for heroes throughout the history of Dota, and I'm sure you have plenty. I haven't even given this much thought yet. So you mm-hmm. actually I do. One thing, sorry. I know you have a many many things. This is a recent thing though. Like we can talk about the, you know, big gameplay changes like shards and ags and all that stuff. The Right. The shard for axe in particular, the fact that he can be built in different ways now and be a better late game. Like it's not just somebody you jump in with, have a BKB mm-hmm. and get a dis- you're not just a, a disable you actually do damage. That's one of my favorite changes of all time, even though it's just, you know, a shard. Mm-hmm. Very cool for Axe. Oh. What do you got? How how far do you want to go back? We can go as far back as you want. I love okay. talking about old school shit. 
Okay, so I think my favorite changes to the game will always be changes that... Like, you can have your own, like, personal bias, right, with heroes that you love, so they get changed, and then it's really fun to play them. But I think overall, I look at it from, like, a bigger macro perspective. The favorite changes I have are think changes that just make the game better on average. So one of my favorite changes was removing Gambler. That was back in Dota <laughs> 1. Um, okay. The hero was just a... It's a fun concept, but it was stupidly broken. So removing that was really good for the game. Um, that's probably number one. Then, for people that don't know what Gambler did, can you explain it? Yeah. So had, I actually was. It I was don't after remember all of his even. spells, but basically one of his spells was only in effect for first blood. So he was like betting before the game started who would be first blooded, and then he would get gold if he was right or something. <laughs> Um, then he had a <laughs> passive that gave him a chance to deal bonus damage on attack. And his ulti was that he did a random amount of damage between zero and his gold, capped at 1500, 2k, and 2.5k, I think. So on average, his level one ult, if he had enough gold, would deal 750, so a better finger of death. But he could high roll a 1500 nuke, literally one-shot people, uh, or do almost nothing. And it had 20% chance to make him lose all his gold. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like it's really funny right but it was such uh, a bad you know i would love funny. okay this, this again side thing here i would love to know who designed that hero and i would like to hear their reasoning behind everything even if they regret it now like just no understanding the design. thought process huh i think it was a ginsu design ginsu okay. who later i think so it's a really old hero it could have also been ice frog at the time I don't think it's Yule. I don't know how far back we are here, but it doesn't, it's a very old hero. It doesn't feel like an ice frog hero just because No, it doesn't. Like, historically speaking, like I don't know if this is true, but rumor says back in the day he despised techies. I don't even know if he designed him to begin with. Like the right. whole like these meme heroes, he wasn't I don't know if things have changed at all. Mm -hmm. But I'd be surprised if he did gamble. I would honestly not be surprised if Ice Frog doesn't like techies, but just doesn't know what to do. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to do either. Like it's the hero yeah. concept. Why don't you just ask him? Like, is it, what is he gonna do? Yeah. Worst case, he just yeah, ignores just, you, which he does anyway. You know. Yeah, just remove it, and then he's like, "I wish I could, but you know, a big part of our player base loves the hero and have paid money for it, so that mm -hmm. would get us sued." True. <clears throat> Very um, sued. Right. So that was probably number one was removing gambler. Then number two was probably the invoker rework. So. Originally, back in Dota 1, Invoker used to have a spell for each key combination. So he had 27 spells instead of 10. So there was a difference whether you did QWE or EWQ or WEQ. It gave three different spells. And half of the spells were garbage, and five of them were like super OP. So the hero was just mega weird and hard, like obviously impossible to play and manage. Um, but when they, stay, like when they normalized that hero to 10 spells and started balancing those, the hero got way, way, way better and more fun. So it's good for the game. Uh, then a little bit more specific, I guess. Uh, techies not being able to stack landmines was really good for the game. I think that oh, was yeah. super stupid. Um, so the new proximity mines are definitely... I still hate the hero, don't get me wrong, but it's better. Um, I really like Ghost Shroud on Necrophos. I think that was a really cool spin on the hero that made him a lot more interesting. The old Necrophos didn't have... He had two passives, right? He had Sadist and Heartstopper Aura. Yeah. So now he has three spells instead of two. And in the same vein, I think Wraith King's rework was also really great that he got uh, the Vampiric Spirit that can summon skeletons compared to the old version where he had three passives. Um, also, just made the hero more interesting. 
Uh, I would like to say let's let's stick with that. Oh, we we have plenty of time to talk, Syndrome. I'm gonna say Centaur, the rework of his ult. It used to be he was my favorite hero in Dota One, believe it or not. And Mm -hmm. his ult was great fortitude. It gave you 45 strength. It was a passive. All it did was give you strength. So they changed it to Stampede, and obviously when it first came out, it stunned as well, which was great. It was so broken. It made me... It was so good that I was sixth on the rankings of centaurs in the world for a brief point in time, Cinderin. I was really sad when oh. they got rid of that, but that's one of the coolest spells in Dota, I think. And honestly, for me, I know it's not hero-specific, but... And I, this is no shock. Aghanim Scepters changing and shards being introduced are the best thing for me ever because it, <clears throat> along with talents, like all three together, allow right. you to play a lot differently, uh, allows you to make more interesting decisions as the game goes on, it allows you to play the heroes maybe like not, like CM. Who would have thought that she, in theory, can be a right clicking carry, right? You could do yeah. that theoretically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those changes, like again, Aghanim Scepters were always a thing in Dota 1 from what I remember when I played, but they were always like super generic. So I think of yep. Viper and Venno, which are like the mainstay, like the two only remaining ones, I feel like, that are just like these, it essentially takes a spell and makes it level four, like an ult from level three to level four. Right. But they changed them to be just super interesting. And that is easily my favorite change to uh, any. That's and fair I'm enough. still you could call that a change to heroes, right? Because it affects theoretically. All and I, I would like to say, and I know this is part of the prediction thing for the patch that we'll get to in a minute. Lifestealer Ag, Cinderin. It's going to mm-hmm. happen, okay? That's you infest an enemy. I hope oh, they keep it yeah. and they buff it. I hope they oh. keep it. Because it is so cool, but there's just some issues with it. It just needs a micro buff. It only attacks four times. Maybe you make it five. Maybe you can use items while you're infested so you can use the oh, nullifier okay, or something okay. like that. I thought you were going somewhere else with this. What? I thought what? you were going to Slax's hero that you had in Pog or in... Uh, no, uh, no, 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 no. No, not in Pog. In, uh, Parasite. What was it called? Chip. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was Chip, a disaster. Yeah. No, 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 thank you. So if you guys haven't heard, Slax designed a hero for a custom game and its ulti was that it could infest an enemy hero and control it. Yeah. That's a very bad idea in my opinion. I think Han had something somewhat similar with Puppet Master. You know no. this. I don't. I don't know what it did, but wasn't there some sort of mind control hero in Han? Uh, well, maybe after I left, but no, not nothing like like Puppet okay. Master. Would, maybe I'm just. It was wrong. almost like a mini uh, Wyvern ult, kind of. You'd attack somebody. It's like a reverse taunt. Um, oh, so okay. No. So that that's what it was. So that's yeah. Okay. <clears throat> but no, right. yeah. I mean, we talked about right. this before, but there's been in the files they've shown that that ability. They're thinking about putting in a new hero. So maybe it, I don't know how you balance mm-hmm. it. That one's crazy. But yeah, like there have been so many, like if you guys, the people that are just relatively new to Dota, or even if you've been playing five, six years, the stuff that they have changed in the course of almost 20 years now, you wouldn't believe how, even I couldn't believe how basic the game used to be. Cause I didn't think that right. originally, right? That's, <laughs> um, honestly, that's something I'm, I wouldn't say worried, but something that I kind of disagree with right now is that I think, you know, I'm the good old boring guy. Yep. I think Dota is getting a little bit too crazy. Um, so there, there has been a lot of changes that are really good, right? I think my favorite system implementation, maybe of all time in the game, that's like a macro change, is Talents. I think that made the game awesome. That's my favorite system they put in. 
I don't think the neutral items still, after all this time, add value to the game for me. Honestly, I, I wouldn't hate to see them go. Even though we've got used to all of these new neutral items that drop in the jungle and it makes some hype moments or whatever, mm -hmm. on average, I don't really feel like I'm convinced, even after how long have we had them now? Over a year? That's been way The game is better year. with them. I'm, I'm, I'm not, very I'm neutral on them, pun intended, other than mm -hmm. tier 5, Sindarin, because you've heard me cast games with tier 5 items. It's fucking I hype. I love that shit. It's but great. that's the thing, right? Is that the reason we fundamentally disagree on that is that you love when the games are fucking crazy. And I, <laughs> yes. I don't like when they're like, don't get me wrong. It's really entertaining when Dota goes to late game and all this weird shit happens uh, and it goes crazy. But sometimes it can feel a little bit like the late game is a little bit of a coin flip almost. Not because mm. it's only about which hero, which team gets the best tier five items because they're not like equal in strength in the lineups, but also just like uh, who finds them fastest or... Uh, in, in the moments, like, you need to be almost superhuman to compensate for the items. Like, they're, like, stronger than the player. So all of the knowledge and all the experience you have with the game, these items are just so radically insane that you can't, like, fathom what's going on in the game late game. So it's you a little can, bit almost about luck. If you play in theory, enough, and right. If you play enough Pog, Cinderin, you can buy the neutral items right. and practice all you want, okay? You have great mm -hmm. late game experience doing so. And you can also hire people like me that are very experienced at late game situations. Maybe they don't do well in those situations, but at least I have experience. I think both uh, the the best and the worst thing at the same time about tier five items is how they end the game, right? Because it's is it hype or not if a game goes to two hours, right? Is that no? I would say no, mm -hmm. generally, because it's almost impossible now, right? A game that goes 100 minutes is insanely long now because of yeah. tier 5 items. Because games that would usually stretch for another half hour just suddenly end. Because mm. a team finds Apex and Ex Machina and then they just pull off an insane fight that you can't even, like, you don't really understand what's happening. You're just all dead. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's... Um, I think that's good. It's interesting. Yeah, Nobody I mean, wants to enough, watch a two-hour techies game, you know? Right, of course. I would rather I would rather find a different way of ending the game than than neutral items, personally. Like some sort of at some point uh buildings if, become more vulnerable or something, right? Okay, so you're do going that. down the road of Path of Guardians, where at twenty minutes in that game mode, every building explodes except the ancients. <laughs> would you be okay with that since <laughs> I don't I mean I wouldn't do it that way, but <laughs> You know, it's well, you said make them more imagine. vulnerable. Like, how vulnerable are we talking yeah, about? Let's just like, remove them. If it's a two-hour game, the building should be shredded by anybody at that point, right? Goodness. I mean, you could do something. I don't know how weird this is, but like, just imagine. Let's say, let's say we just make the magic time the hour mark, right? Which is the the tier fives, right? So let's think at an hour. What if buildings either started losing health, or um, just lost all their armor, or something like that? So that sieging is a lot faster and a lot easier. Um, just as an example, you could do that, right? I'd rather have tier five items. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I like my own idea that much, to be honest, either. You know but, what? You just you, um, you'll think about it, and you'll come back on the podcast, and you'll have an epiphany, some great idea right. that they'll implement eventually. Okay. Okay. Do you have before? Okay, so I I have one more special shout out to Hero Change actually, uh, which is more recent. A lot more people will remember this one. I think Earth Spirits just swap around of his two abilities was actually a genius way of balancing the hero. Sure. And it might seem super simple and basic, but 
I don't think that was that obvious that that was what it took to rebalance Earth Spirit. So the old Earth Spirit had Boulder Smash be the stun, so that's the one where you kick the rock. And rolling Boulder was slow. And they literally just swapped those two around and it rebalanced the hero so much. Because on release, Earth Spirit was fucking broken. <laughs> the good players that immediately identified that and started just grabbing wins, like Jerax was just an absolute fucking god on this hero in games. I don't remember what his win rate was. It felt almost impossible to beat him when he played Earth Spirit. Um, and then it got reworked and it started well, getting. There was uh, a couple other heroes that came out, like Oracle Ult was mega broken. It was the invisibility. Um, what else did it do? Did it do everything it does now plus invisibility? Was that it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is now a so. talent, I think, or maybe that's the Ags. I don't remember anymore. But yeah, they, uh, some heroes have come out super is busted. Actually, gone entirely, I think. No, really? it's the shard. It's the shard. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. All right. So next on the list, uh, courtesy of Sakifa. Hamed, most broken heroes of 2021. So this will lead into our next discussion, which is patch predictions, which I know we've done a couple times, but right. since the patch is so close, it seemed only right. The most broken heroes of 2021, the one that comes to mind for me, I know it's not broken anymore, Cinderin. Mm -hmm. Beastmaster Ags. That was the most broken, I On think, release, period. Beastmaster Ags was Not really just not. release. For a full six weeks or so, they nerfed it. Was that how long it took to get they nerfed? They nerfed no it way. two or three times before it was finally not picked up every game. Right. Because they nerfed the, the... the damage two times, I think, and then they just like removed it. Right. So that. But yeah, the on release was broken. The nerf was also broken. So yeah, I think it was twice they nerfed it. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. You're right. I'm trying to think of what other things we had before this patch that were broken earlier in the year. And it's not really coming to mind, but I have my opinion on this one. Wyvern? Um, Wyvern is... I don't even think I would put it in top three most broken heroes right now, which might be surprising. Because um, I think the solutions to this hero are sometimes easier to find than other heroes, but it's definitely up there. It's really, really strong, right? But I think I would pick... Especially pre-nerf Broodmother, mm. the the Brood that we got. So going into the last major, there was a patch, and Brood got nerfed in two ways or so. Um, before that patch, the hero was ultra broken. And then it was still really good, and it still is broken in its own right, in my opinion. It was also an early pick in a lot of the major for some teams. Uh, so Brood is up there. TA is busted mm. right now. Cyblade um, stuff is. Cyblade uh... has insane spill range. She gets the attack range. She gets uh, all of her talents. Just remove all of the hero's weaknesses. It feels like right. You get melt dispel. You get refraction instances on twenty five. And with how fast cores level up and get gold in this patch compared to the past, she has a way easier time bridging the gap that used to be the problem. Where, oh shit, I'm really strong for twenty minutes, but then other carries overtake me. It just doesn't feel like it happens. Like TA just stays ahead. All the time now, because all of her talents are amazing. Uh, psionic projection is amazing. Uh, crazy hero. Uh, her shard is amazing. Like, what more do you want? Um, <clears throat> oh, the, what else the is thing really about the the right ags now? on her, I I love the concept a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you change? You just change like the cooldowns of? I think they did briefly, right? They right. they changed the cooldown once. 
but I love the concept of being able to travel. Give it a little tracks. more cast time. Okay. One of the problems is that it's killing TA in the mid game when she has ags requires you to hundred to zero her in stuns and silences, right? If she gets one second outside of any disable, she's just gone. She can even cast it when she's rooted. Like oh, that's weird. Yeah, it's I pretty wild. Um, honorable mention, I guess Luna. I think big part of the reason Luna seems so powerful right now is probably largely the shard. Like if you imagine the exact same hero but without the shard, I think the hero would be a lot, lot less powerful. But now that people understand how good it is and have started itemizing around the shard, I think Luna is a absolute top top tier hero. Um, Feels like really, every really game powerful. at the major or ESL and all these tournaments carries were Luna or Terrorblade. Yeah, that's what it yeah, felt. Yeah, TB like. is also up there. He's broken in a different way, though. Uh, but yeah, also TP. Like, th I think it's at this point, it's like kind of established. But I'm trying to think of, like, let's say my top five right now that are the most broken, if they are more broken than something we had back in February, right? It's just hard to remember everything we've had across the year. But yeah, Beastmaster definitely stands out. Um, was there anything else that was bonkers that we can think of? Um... Well, you you said Wyvern is one of them. the The healing mm -hmm. aspect of that hero just feels yeah, like Wyvern it's too much. Is absolutely crazy. Mm. I have another hero, but this this is a couple of years ago, so never mind. But I just want to mention: Do you remember the old Lucky Shot and Pango? <laughs> they changed it three different times. What did it first do? I can't even remember. It was a. It had a chance to silence and a chance to disarm, and it could proc both. But there was no minus armor, right? Right. Yeah. That Pango was so crazy. Dude, I love Pango. What a great hero broken. design. One of but the best hero designs year. ever. In I think it's two or three years ago by now. Yeah, probably three, actually. All right, and then yeah. final topic before we get into other related or other news, not Dota related, our patch predictions. So first and foremost, let's get the big one out of the way. Do you think there's going to be a new hero? Uh, no, I think it's going to be a TI. Okay, I agree. Uh, what is going to be the biggest change from a gameplay standpoint, not heroes yet? What's your prediction? Uh, less gold on the map. Okay, I'm going to say second Roche no longer has cheese. That's what I'm hoping for. Right. Uh, okay. You'd rather remove cheese than shard, right? On yes. The second rush. Please don't yeah. remove shard. Please, please. I'm please. down for that. Sounds good. Okay. And then any heroes come to mind? Like we talked, obviously the nerfs, we don't really need to talk about. Maybe heroes that are buffed. I think Dawnbreaker, Ags, and Shard, I'm expecting. I'm expecting her to be enabled yeah. for captain's mode as well. Same. I mean, there's still two Same. months or however long until TI. Two months until TI. That's plenty of time to, to balance her shard and for Ags. Sure. So I think that's... I'm expecting that one, so looking forward to it. Still saying the shard is going to be the Im magic immunity during Starbreaker. You said that was too powerful, though. Yeah, that's a crazy shard. We'll see. That's fine. Maybe, maybe it's fine, actually. No idea what Ags. Ags has to make the ult change somehow. The ult doesn't seem good enough in pro play. I don't know if you agree. Everything's like a setup, right? You need a setup for it, or else it's not good. Right. So the I think, thing has to do something with that. Or a new that's spell. the thing. I actually think the, the hero's biggest asset in pro play is going to be the ult because people will draft specifically to make it good. Okay. okay. 
and in pubs a lot of the time. Of this scars. is my experience with Dawnbreaker. I'm playing with two or three stuns in my team. I feel amazing. I'm playing with zero stuns in my team. I feel garbage. It's that simple. Like, I need something to make me able to ulti offensively and defensively. Defensive ultis are also way better when enemies are stunned, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, definitely dependent in that regard on strategy. So. Okay. What yeah. else? Um, what else? What hero really desperately needs a buff right now? I'm not so sure. Like, as always, I'm more of a fan of nerf patches because I think nerf patches buff a lot of heroes. That's right. what happens, is that when you yeah. take the top 5 to 10 heroes and make them weaker, suddenly 10 to 20 heroes become played again. Um, a lot of the time, you don't need to buff a lot along with the nerfs. Oh, sometimes, like, do you think we're going to see any hero redesigns? Like, a spell just taken out and remade in some capacity. Basically, what I'm hoping for is Legion Commander, which I won't go into again, but something mm-hmm. along those lines where you just change how a hero is played. I think Brood gets a re- rework, actually. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I- I'm predicting Outworld Devourer, or whatever the hell his name is, will mm, uh, get reworked true. again. Just, it's tradition. Every patch needs that. Yeah, Odie could get changed. What is his name? Outworld, Outworld Destroyer. Destroyer. How am I meant to remember this? See, things? this is why everyone just says OD, because no one remembers the name. <laughs> so you just say OD. Yeah. Um, Brood, yeah. I think Spawn Spiderlings will not be the ulti next patch, but we'll see. Or that it gets, I mean, it could also just get nerfed, right? But mm. it's weird because when I saw this Brood, I was celebrating that Spawn Spiderlings wasn't a level one spell. It's like, okay, now you need to at least get to level six before the Spider Massacre starts. But what Brood got instead was that he just became a really strong laner instead of having that weakness. So now it almost mm. feels like Brood has none of the weaknesses anymore instead of one. Um, because that level six timing isn't really that hard to achieve when you're that good in lane as you are now against a lot of stuff. You even kill heroes in lane on level three sometimes. Like, Brood did not use to do that. So, yeah, um, probably a rework there. Outside of that, yeah, mainly nerf patch. I think I hope, uh, but I think it's also been so long since the last patch that we're probably expecting like one or two new items, maybe, um, maybe some neutral items get removed. Or added. Yeah, that's the question. Like, how big should it be considering teams have already qualified for TI? Like, you know me. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. into some crazy ass shit when it comes to Dota, that is, nothing else. I'm actually pretty boring otherwise. Right. I from a spectator standpoint, that sounds like a lot of fun to add new items to, you know, bring in the new neutrals and whatnot, put all like mm-hmm. put a new hero in. But I feel like because people have already qualified for TA, that's not going to happen. It's a month and a half away. So? I think that's enough time to adjust. Oh, really? Yeah. I think I feel like most patches teams... before TI have also been in this range. Like, we've had... Yeah, but they haven't had new items for, like, a Are month sure? and a half before TI. What do you mean? There's no way. I would be shocked if that's the case. Has that really never happened? Has all of these like items and stuff been after? Maybe you're right. Maybe they've all been posted. Like what they do is they come out with these huge patches with these crazy items in like December, and over the next six months they nerf the shit out of them or buff them, <laughs> micro patch wise. I'm not but, saying it's going to be that big of a patch. No, no, no. But there I, could be a little bit of stuff. I, I mean, I'm always up for that. I think the the biggest like the newer the newer items that we just don't see like Mage Slayer. I hope that gets mm-hmm. redesigned in some capacity. I would love to see that be 
an Agreed. item that is purchasable in some capacity. I think Sange will get nerfed again, <laughs> just because Probably. that's another tradition thing that we uh, yeah. have to keep up with. And what else? In terms of items, yeah, the neutrals, like, who knows? I don't think they're going to do anything with, like, bringing new items in or anything like that. Uh, maybe we'll see Repair Kit make a... <laughs> Make a oh, resurgence. God, no. Quelling Blade uh, or Iron Talon, I should say. Craggy Coat, mm -hmm. all those good ones. But yeah. Not expecting anything major. Just some nerf to the obviously OP heroes and hopefully some. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be a good patch, but mm -hmm. we'll have to wait and find out. We might be talking about it in a week. Maybe. Yeah. So th that's the last thing. So the patch or the battle pass ends on the 17th. I'm expecting the patch to come out the same day. Which, right. uh, well, I guess I can't talk about this officially. Might not be available to do content on that day uh, for reasons that for some reason I can't say yet, but our podcast might be delayed next week is what I'm trying to say. Possibly. Not sure. Depends or pushed on, early. Or pushed early. One True. of them. Although if the patch, if the battle if the pass, patch doesn't drop, then yeah. If the battle pass ends on the seventeenth, there's no way I can do content for at least a day. I'm just gonna mm -hmm. say that. So, but I do expect it to come out the same day because they're just gonna get posts all day long about where's the patch, where's the patch. So yeah, right. Okay, that's the Dota content for today. So let's move on to. So we talked about this uh, last week, well, last episode, I believe, about mm -hmm. the placebo effect in games like. What what were the examples? I, I know I brought up Valorant, but how did the discussion um, start? Right. I think the main thing we were talking about was... So there was this thing that... Um, it was Activision that didn't Call of Duty, right? That was what we were talking about. Where they were specifically matching players based on what skins they had. Because that they were matching better players with skins against weaker players without skins to create the illusion that the skins is what made the players good so more people right. bought them right and that it was giving results um so then, then we were going into a discussion about and i was like it's really i, I find it so weird and i kind of can't believe that people think skins matter so much that they actually buy them in the belief that they it will make them a better player when they're purely cosmetic um and then I got this message on Twitch, actually, which I found really interesting from S Domino's one. And he was like, hey, check out this video. And it's a video explaining how back in Wolfenstein's, this is an old game. I never played this game, by the way. Same. Um, the devs had to nerf a gun. Well, tell the whole story. Tell the right. whole story okay. here. Okay, start from okay. the beginning. So, right. So basically in Wolfenstein, you have two teams that play against each other. Um, and... They have different weapons cosmetically, but they do the exact same. They have the same rate of fire, the same damage, the same reload speed, all of that. But they had a different sound design. And um, basically, so let's say, yeah, let's say it's just the same gun, but one of them has more bass. This is going right. to sound ridiculous, but this is what happens. Well, so, this, is, this is the Axis versus the Allies. It's yep. the Thompson versus the MP4. And the developers yep. kept getting complaints that <clears throat> the Thompson was better than the MP4. The MP4 was known yep. to be like it would shoot faster but be weaker. And the Thompson had a sturdier feel, well, it would shoot slower but do more damage. But the developers said it's literally the exact same gun 
other than the way it looks and the sound design. Literally the exact same. So like, you're stupid. So they look at the stats, and the players are right. Players are actually better with the Thompson than the MP4, even though statistically that should be impossible. That's literally placebo syndrome. It's fucking crazy. Right. So it's it's the feel that it gives the player, right? So the the way they explained it was that because of the more bassy sound, people felt more powerful and more confident when they were playing and they found more <laughs> kills. Like that's literally what was going on. It was the same weapon but just with a different sound and it made people more confident. So who am I to say that's not the case in Dota, right? Like you're playing your favorite hero with a really cool set. Maybe it does make you better just because you're more confident in what you're doing because you're like, I'm the shit. Instead of being like, ah, should I do this or not? You're like, yep, I'm Juggernaut with my favorite set, so I'm really good or whatever. Right. <clears throat> I don't know. Like, there's definitely data that suggests this, that people just are better based on, you know, just... Uh, I'm not going to argue whether confidence is a real thing because I know it is. But the fact that people get inspired with confidence from cosmetics right. is really fascinating to me. But it's a real thing. So. It's like the source of the confidence come from, comes from somewhere that's fake almost, right? It's just imaginary, right. but it works, and that's all that matters. And mm -hmm. we talked about this last week, but I'm sure, like you said, I'm sure there's people in Dota that feel that way. I do not. <clears throat> I feel like it's more prevalent. It's definitely more common, at least, in FPS games. But I didn't know to this right. extent. That was a really cool video. I will put the link to that video in the description of the YouTube video. So you guys can check it out. It's it's pretty interesting. Uh, yep. So thank you. Who 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 gave you that, Cinderin? It was S Domino's one. Thank you. Great video. Not to get mistaken for S Domino's five. Yes. All right. Last topic. <clears throat> Doctor Disrespect has announced that he is creating a gaming studio and is looking for a gaming studio head. And this is what the blurb says. Uh, basically, it's like, you know, a job application thing where it gives you all the responsibility they'll have and blah, blah, blah. But the first paragraph kind of describes the idea. So Dr. Disrespect, in partnership with Boom TV, who the fuck is Boom TV, by the way? I don't know. Uh, is taking on the game industry by storm and incubating a new AA slash AAA gaming studio that has a unique twist to it. The studio plans to forge a partnership with a select list of mega influencers and then work closely with them to launch their dream gaming title. Those gaming titles will either be incubated and developed or partner slash co-develop with existing indie game developers and launched as mega titles. That's, that's pretty crazy. What do you think? What are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, it's pretty fucking cool. I don't know anything yeah. about it, but... My first so, thought is good luck, right? Like, hopefully you... If you're trying to do something like this, like, what makes this different from every other gaming studio, right? Is that the pitch is to people that might not usually get a chance to get involved in this, or in involved in this, like influencers, like he says, right? Is that going to make a better or a worse game, is my question. It could make it great because a lot of these influencers have an eye for game design. It could also make it absolute horseshit because they don't know what they're doing. And they're good at playing and entertaining, but not at designing games. Mm -hmm. So, Hello? Oh, boy. Can you hear me, Cinderin? You just went mute. 
All right, I'm going to pause the podcast temporarily. Basically. All right, we're now the... unpaused again. Cinder, thanks for ruining everyone's time. Go ahead. You're very welcome. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened there, but it's because you don't have an Elgato mic hooked up. Go ahead. It's got to be it. They have a special uh, deal with Discord that makes them not lose voice there. <laughs> um, so basically, what I was getting at was the, the what makes this different from every other gaming studio, as far as I can read here, is mainly the cooperation with influencers. And that can be a good and a bad thing because influencers can help spread the game and have their own ideas from all the games they've played, et cetera, et cetera. And the whole community building aspect, they probably have a really good idea of. But from a game balancing standpoint and a design standpoint, a lot of them will... I think not have very much to offer. And I think it's really important that you strike the right balance where you make a good game first. And that's after that, I think is when the influencers can really help with like mm. how to reach people, how to make it enticing to play, uh, what makes it good for streaming, this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think, I think first and foremost, it needs to be a, a studio and then the influencers right. can like, I think, give an edge. Yeah, you're, you're right. There's definitely like this slippery slope type of deal. But if you have the right people at the head, let's say, that mm -hmm. are making the decisions, which are not the influencers based on the way I'm reading this, uh, right. then you'll be fine. Like the, the influencers are there to kind of spread the word and have people try the game almost. Like they'll have an entire community right. that are willing to play this game to see how it is. And yeah, they can chip in with their ideas and whatnot, but it shouldn't be up to them, obviously, because they're not qualified. That's why he's looking for people that are qualified. Having said that, he does have game design experience. He used to build maps for Call of Duty, I think. And that's why like his production quality on his streams is like second to none, because he does that himself. He literally designs it himself. So if anybody can do that type of... like The fact that he's working with other influencers is... That's new, right? That's not something that's right. been done. We've seen these these games created and then you kind of sell the idea to influencers you pay them in some mm -hmm. in some ways uh depending on which game you're talking about who so this way you just integrate it and give them equity right right this one you're giving them potential equity into the game themselves they get their ideas out that they feel more uh connected with it which means they're not just going to stop playing it after a day or two so right I mean, there is some downsides, obviously, but it's a unique idea. I think it's really cool, and I don't know. We'll just again stuff but, like this takes years, but right, it's a cool idea. And this uh, this whole like pitch or whatever you want to call it is obviously they are looking for the studio head for now in this, and what is being offered is a co-founder position, a competitive salary, and a very high equity. It says, um, so. Like, as far as this goes, compared to other studios, I guess, I don't know how it works in other gaming studios with how equity is distributed and, and all this stuff, but theoretically, when I'm reading this, am I wrong in saying that this is not, like, very different than any other games developing studio where the head obviously has a lot of responsibility and needs a lot of skill and also gets a big reward, but the big difference is the influencer connection? That's what I think. Like well, outside I think of the sounds, kind the, of like any other developing studio, right? It's the interaction style that's different. Well, the difference is the guy that's creating it is one of the biggest streamers of all time. Of course. And he has game design experience. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be mostly like another gaming studio, but it has some little quirks that are definitely unique, uh, which makes me personally interested to see what they come out with. But stuff like this takes years, like I said. So either way. Uh, good luck mm. to Dr. Disrespect, which we still don't know why he was banned from Twitch, by the way. <laughs> nope. 
Uh, Maybe because he was starting a competing uh, streaming studio and that one never found a head. I mean, the the theory, the going theory right now is because, God, what is the Microsoft one called that went out of business? I Mixer. Mix, wow, that was quick. The fact that Mixer went out of business means that the contract they originally, that Twitch's contract that they gave Dr. Disrespect was obviously way over what they would have given him if there was no Mixer. It was basically mm-hmm. in competition. So they just wanted to come up with some reason to ban him so they didn't have to pay him to avoid his contract. I have no idea if that's true, if there's any mm-hmm. truth to it whatsoever. But the fact that we haven't heard anything means that there's definitely some major legal battle going on. So, right. uh, yeah. Okay. So that is the episode. But we do have a couple mailback questions we can go over that have been mm-hmm. sitting here for quite a while. So why don't Let's you take do the two. first one? Okay. So the first one is from GE Diablo or Gediablo, who says, what changes do you hope will be made to the DPC system from season two? What do you think Valve see as a problem? OG almost got relegated to division two and missing TI 10 after winning two TI two years in a row. Top teams in less contested regions are almost guaranteed TI spots if they stick together a full season. Is this fair? Is it good for the game? So this has been quote unquote, a problem for years now um, that a significantly weaker region will get teams to the major events. And on average, these teams will just be worse than the stronger regions. That's how it is. Is that good for the game? Yes, that is good for the game to have world representation, especially because of the storylines it creates when these uh, underrepresented or weaker regions do well and the game gets closer. Um, So I do think it's important because, like, let's imagine we made a TI system where it's only about the best teams. How do teams from the weaker regions even get a chance to play in the tournaments that they could get points in unless they got to qualify to them to begin with. How do they get better at the game if they don't face the best competition because they literally can't unless they go to a LAN? So I fully agree with that system. It is good for the game that different regions have teams to look up to because it fosters more players. It fosters an ecosystem ecosystem in these regions that uh, makes people invested and want to play Dota and want to spend money on Dota and end of the day if you want dota to survive and keep doing well it needs to be worth it for the developers to keep working on it so we Mm -hmm. should be celebrating when people spend money in dota it's a good thing um so yeah that's the first thing as far as division two relegation and og and all this stuff uh a couple of years back you were auto invited to ti if you won the previous one um because back then we had the invite system that didn't use the dpc system at all it was just uh the the invites just got announced and then the qualifiers got announced after. And the invites were based on a concept of how just basically Valve's power rankings. And I don't know how they set those power rankings internally, if it was like Ice Frog and a group of lead scientists from NASA or whatever, but they found a way <laughs> of, um, of quantifying how strong the teams were across the board, across the regions. Uh, and back then, I think South America, for example, got zero direct invites to TI. Uh, and then they got one qualifying slot. So the region was less represented. It was still there, but most of the invites went to China EU and one went to EG (laughs) um, and then two to SEA or something back in the day. Um, I think the system now is good because it rewards consistency throughout the year and performing well and uh, placing at tournaments. Indirectly, it's what happened in the past. Like if you won a major back when it was invite only or won a really big tournament, that was a massive part of you getting invited to TI. Now it's just transparent instead of being 
some sort of arbitrary behind closed doors in invite system. So I think transparency in this case is very good because yep. nobody has to question why people got invited. It's right there in the rules. You know why you're getting in. And if you're OG and you've won TI twice and you just suck and don't get to go, that obviously really sucks for the tournament. But at the same time, if you couldn't qualify through the entire year of playing tournaments and playing qualifiers, then you just weren't good enough, right? Like, that's just the truth of it. Sometimes you fall from grace. Like, sometimes amazing teams just become bad. Or shit teams get really good. And that's exciting. So I personally like that OG had to qualify. I think, I think it's fine that the previous winners are not auto-invited. I don't know what you think about that. Um, I disagree on that one, actually. I'm just you would like the champions to be auto-invited. So yeah. Uh, first thing I would change but only is champions, right? On, only the TI winner should get auto invited right. for the next year. I think it's very weird mm -hmm. to not have last year's TI winner. Even if they absolutely suck balls and get last, that's okay. That's the storyline, mm -hmm. and storylines are super important. I think that 100% should happen. True. I think, and this coming season might be an anomaly because of TI getting postponed, but I think in general, it should be a three major system, which is, I think, what they originally mm -hmm. had planned. So I like that. Right. Uh, I think more money should be put into the DPC season uh, via the Battle Pass, which we've talked about many a time, because I think like Tier 2 teams should be getting more money. If we compare... Mm -hmm. I know it's not the same system. I understand that. But if you compare the money that LCS players in the Tier 2 scene get paid, it's more than most Tier 1 players get in Dota right now. Period. Right. That's fucking embarrassing, honestly. That's fucking embarrassing. Uh, I think throughout each DPC season, there should be more games played. I think they're... The schedule is like super elongated for like yeah, two days a week or three days a week they play and like it, it's just weird. I don't understand why it's why it's like that. Uh, I think the point distribution in terms of price pool and like the DPC points in general need to be recalibrated. I mm -hmm. think okay. no offense to Alliance, they based on their performance at like the majors, they should not. It was only two majors, so. If there was mm -hmm. a three-major system, maybe there's more of an argument for this, but they didn't play well at any of the majors, obviously. They bombed out, but they qualified because they got a lot of points by qualifying to the majors, which I think that just needs to be recalibrated a bit. I agree. Majors should be worth more than reading. And then the last thing, I think, in terms of relegation and delegation... Wait, is that right? No, relegation and promotion. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the teams that are getting relegated need to play against the teams that are being promoted to see who stays and who... Because, like, Viking, for example, I know they've disbanded now and all that, but the idea that even in NA, it's a big deal, the bottom two teams might be so much better than the top two teams of the lower division. Right. That, that shouldn't... Like, if you just look at it, like, okay, there's no way these teams are even remotely close. That shouldn't happen just because they happen to be the, the, wor the worst two of that season against these really good teams. They need Agreed. to play each other in some sort of, like, take it... Like all for one type of bracket system or whatever you want to come up with. I agree. And plus that makes it even more hype. That's like super ass, that's hype ass matches to watch. Uh, I think the counter argument to this is that you want the teams from division two to get that explosion, get that chance in division one. They do, but they do get, they the get the chance, right? They need yeah. to win though to get promoted they get right like whatever system you want to do to give them a chance to uh, get to the upper division um but yeah auto promoting them over teams that are just better just feels wrong right although so how does it work in i'm trying to think of how this works in other sports right so in football divisions for example um 
in the Premier League, I think if you're bottom two, do you just get relegated? Do you just get knocked down and two teams take your spots? Or do you play them to stay alive? I actually don't know. No idea. I think you just... Maybe it depends on the league, whatever. But yeah, I'm... Honestly, I'm I'm with you. I think having the teams play each other is would be a good way. Or maybe having the how to say dis, distinguish between absolute bottom and second to bottom, right? So that there's a difference between getting last and second to last. So that let's say the absolute last team gets relegated and the mm-hmm. second to last team plays against the second to top team from division 2. So the I mean, absolute that's better top than what we have now, but I would still rather have them play each other cuz I think if you're talking about like from that perspective, if it's mm-hmm. quote unquote more unfair for the lower division teams, if you think about it, how are they learning to get better at the game? They're watch, they're scouting throughout the entire season these tier one teams. They should mm-hmm. already have more scouting on the team that they're playing than vice versa. And if you have it like right. happen like right after the season, so neither team really has like a week to prepare, then theoretically, from a strategic standpoint, that lower division team should have the upper hand in some respects. You know what I mean? Like, slight um, edge in some Yes and no, fashion. because it also depends, right? A lot of the teams in Division 1 have more money, so they can have coaches, and they can have... Like, they, they have access... It, assuming they're sponsored, uh, sponsored teams playing in Division 1, they do have some benefits that the Division 2 teams mostly don't have in the current format. Mm. If it was similar, like you said, to League, then... The Division Two teams would also be able to always have coaches and have people like do analysis on their games and all this stuff. But right now, that's kind of reserved for the top echelon, and that will mean, like, let's say you're a top division team that is struggling, you you can have a dedicated guy that can just look at, okay, we're gonna be playing the low division teams and just dig through and do all the research that you need and whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think that's the most important thing regardless, honestly. I think the most important things are, like you said, the spacing of the games um, and the point system. I think those two things are more important than exactly who gets relegated and, and, and this because, yeah, the spacing of games was really weird and it doesn't really make sense that Alliance gets to get directly invited to TI from winning EU twice or getting first and second, whatever it was, mm. and then bombing out at majors. I think it should still be rewarded quite a lot that you place high in your division and in your region. But it it feels weird that the region is worth 500 and the major first place is worth 500, right? Like there's just some sort of... And again, I think that's maybe, even with the current point system, it wouldn't have been as weird if it was three majors. Because if you're qualifying three times and you still bomb out, then you probably still deserve to go, honestly to ti you know what i mean like if you're mm-hmm. that consistent like on land maybe you're not as good for whatever reason but if you i'm not saying it was a fluke by any means but yeah. oh, honestly eu eu just looked weaker than everybody <laughs> if i'm being no. completely honest like that was the most surprising thing of the year um, um what i'm thinking here is if you do change the system let's say let's just make a really simple mock-up here let's say instead of giving full points in your division you get half right so say division first place is 250 and major first place is 500. Then relatively speaking, the major is worth way more than it is now. Do you run the risk that regions don't get represented at TI then? Because that's why the system was placed the way it was, I think, was that that way you guarantee that even the weaker regions get so many points locally 
that if they bomb out at the majors, they still have teams. We're talking about Alliance because they're like a very like oh, wait, commonly how many understood are, story. Aren't there's there's one team guaranteed from each region to TI, right? Is that how it works? Y- yes. And the and rest very are frequently points. it will be two. Right. It's very difficult because let's say let's just not mince words. We're talking about South America here. So if if a team qualifies for like whatever team is the best throughout the entire year from South America will go to TI mm-hmm. because they've accumulated enough points by qualifying for the major in all likelihood. Yes. So that means there's going to be a second team to go because of the actual qualifying to TI tournament. That mm-hmm. that's fine. I think having three right now is weird for sure. Are you guaranteed? Let's say there's a t- You're not okay. guaranteed, no. If it's the let's same team though, yeah. Let's say there's two good teams or three good teams in a region and they constantly play for the qualification spots and let's say each time two teams get to qualify from every region as it has been so far mm-hmm. and the first place team gets 250 and the second place team gets 175 or whatever. If they flip-flop in those two qualifiers, so they get first and second, then second and first, and then at the major they don't do well. They have less points than I think sixteen teams in the world do. By Possibly. the end. Possibly. So then I'm you just that. accept that in those conditions, that region only gets one team from the yes. qualifier. I'm more than fine with that. Yeah, I personally don't think that is a problem either. But I think we. I don't think that is going to happen though. I think. Based on how the system has been run so far in the previous years and everything, I think the goal is to get at least two teams from every region to TI. Whether that's the best or not is obviously a different story. I would also be fine with what you said, that we just have uh, the possibility that a region only has one team. I don't think that's a problem. But All right, let's do this second question uh, yep. from Nutty Pizza. Been meaning mm. to post this mailbag question for two weeks, but kept forgetting, so it's a little less timely, but still good, I think. Regarding the Richard Branson versus Jeff Bezos space race, Bezos had his date announced first, and then Branson swooped in and made plans to go first, if I recall. If so, this feels petty by Richard Branson. If you were Jeff Bezos and wanted to be petty back to him as well, what would you do? Personally, I would cancel his Amazon Prime subscription, or if he doesn't have one, try to fuck his wife while he's on his space ride. (laughs) This is less of a question and more of just a funny uh, anecdote, I feel like. <laughs> what would you do to be petty back? I don't know. A billionaire being petty? No. Uh, no way. No, I'm just thinking, if I was a billionaire I wanted to be petty, what would I do? It, I feel like it would be on a different scale. Like, I would... I feel like I would buy as many his possible islands around Richard Branson's island, oh. and then I would put up flags that say Richard Branson fucking sucks or something. Yeah, on my island. That sounds about. That would be petty. That would be very petty. Yeah, billionaires are probably. I think a requirement to become a billionaire is to be petty. Actually, Uh, yeah. But thank you for that beautiful question. We appreciate it. We barely even answered. There's no answer to this question. What are we supposed to? I thought you were going to have a good petty suggestion. Actually, I'm surprised. Uh, yeah, I, I can be petty at times, but this is again on a different scale of being a billionaire. I don't, right. I don't freaking know. Uh, is just like imagine something. It's not about what you. All right, if you want to go like movie doing. style, uh, I would uh-huh. kidnap him. Okay. While he's on the space well, shuttle. <laughs> no, 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 not while. Like afterwards, and I would have surgery performed on him, where they make his penis. Uh, they reduce it to the size of a micro penis. 
Okay. If I'm a billionaire and I have all the control in the world, like, and I'm petty on top of that, like, this is a dick measuring contest. What better way to win a dick measuring contest than to give somebody a micro penis? Am I wrong? Maybe I'm thinking this too literally, but. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It doesn't seem petty to me at that point. But then if you're Richard Branson, the way you get back is by performing surgery, doing the same thing on Jeff Bezos and give him an inverted penis. So it's just like a a constant, you know, never-ending cycle here. But, uh, but yeah, that. (laughs) When I heard petty, I thought it needed to be like legal and not (laughs) involve kidnapping. Let's be real. If you're a billionaire. If you're a billionaire, I guess petty things you can do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you think they don't do illegal things in Ren? I'm pretty sure they could get away with whatever they want with that much money, literally. Yeah, probably. That's how I At least a lot. I mean, he could literally shoot somebody in the face on live TV and probably be fine. Not even making uh, that up, I actually think that would be a thing. I don't know about that one. He could but. disappear. Like, with that much money, you could do whatever you want. But hopefully we don't become billionaires be... one day, because then we'll what both be What is the petty way you would get back to him? I would shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not, I would not make a good billionaire. <laughs> okay. There's a reason you aren't a billionaire. <laughs> I guess so. All right, well, that is the end of episode 116. Again, next episode might be a little wonky on when we do it because of things we can't discuss, but maybe you'll find out probably today. I don't know. All right. Probably soon. Have a good one, everybody. Until next time, Sunset Center signing out. Goodbye. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah.